set out to do this show, more than anything, it was an opportunity to bring you diverse perspectives in life and business. So often the two blend together and we often lose perspective about our past and how it continues to shape us and serve us on our journey. In this show, we are constantly defining success through the lives of our guests. I ask this again, what really is success? What makes the hustle more of an adventure than a grind? Well, among many of the insights you're about to hear, our guest today defines success as a careful combination of art, science, and luck. Well put. In just five years, Naveen Krishnamurthy has taken his current company, Reva Solutions, from $6 million in revenue to $63 million. He's done this with a company culture that inspires employees to achieve unimaginable personal and professional development while focused on results and accountability. Naveen is known to be a disruptive thinker. Through social media, he shares an ongoing real-time vision with his team, demanding and inspiring actions that better government. His leadership style has earned him opportunities to work on high-profile federal programs, to speak on executive panels, support nonprofit boards, mentor small businesses, and earn many industry accolades, most notably the prestigious Fed 100. After earning a triple degree and master's in business administration, Naveen established himself in Silicon Valley during the dot-com era. He then spent the next 20 years navigating large business federal contracting, working for industry giants like Booz Allen and CACI International. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed guest, Naveen Krishnamurthy. Naveen, you're here in the flesh. It's happening. Glad, glad, you, glad you invited me, Reba. And, and my nickname for you, of course, Reba Magic. Reba Magic. Oh, I like that. Yes, that's going to be my official uh, middle name now. Naveen, seriously, I know you're busy. Uh, you're highly admired in our industry. Uh, I just want to speak with you openly about the things that I know. I mean, I've known you for 14 years, but there are many out there, we, we joke about this, who come up to me and say, oh, do you know Naveen? Do you know Naveen? It, like you've kind of uh, um, become this figure over the last 14 years of knowing you. It's quite admirable. Um, so I just want to have some honest chat with you on your perspectives of this journey. So let me start by asking you my first question. What was the most surprising thing that you learned about success? And, and if you could please share both the pleasant and the unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, first off, that introduction was entertaining because <laughs> I was like, who is she talking about? <laughs> you didn't realize it was you. <laughs> yeah. So, so, oh, it, was, so it, was, it was really nice, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, honestly ties to what you're asking me, success. Uh, what is the measurement of success, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk about that. Is that uh, a lot of people define that by industry awards, number of employees, revenue. Right. Uh, I think one of office the things space. office space, yeah, <laughs> the size of your house, even right, right? <laughs> tying, <laughs> the, tying back to our culture. How many yeah. square foot do you have? Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> I, I think that that's that's really one of the biggest things is it, it, 
to me, it's not those things. I think it's the journey to find your happiness, what really connects for you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, really where you derive passion, mm -hmm. where are you waking up on a Monday thinking it's like a Friday and you're excited <laughs> to do what you're doing. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, I found on, th on this journey to success mm -hmm. is really finding the real path of it isn't about achieving all these goals and metrics and numbers. It's really finding who you are and what you really want out of life. And I think mm -hmm. that's the journey that we're on. And I think for me, a lot of that was uh, finding that internally. Wasn't Other, it hard for you though? Because uh, we, with that, we were raised that way. Metrics, it, what are, just like you said, right. what boxes did you check? Uh, it's the brainwashing, you know, the parental <laughs> brainwashing, societal brainwashing, if you want to call it. Yeah. Right? We're programmed to, you know, be a certain way, achieve a certain goal. Mm -hmm. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> Out of the gate, I'm not an engineer, lawyer, doctor. Right? My dad <laughs> right. like disowned me after that. My dad too. Too. Yeah, like, you need to become a doctor. Yeah, so I'm a failure. But, you know, uh, so yeah, that's true measure of success is when my dad says that <laughs> I'm successful. I'm still waiting for that. You know, you'll get it. You're, get, you're getting yeah. close. You're getting close. Yeah. But it, it is a very difficult journey. I don't think it ever stops. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is are you uh, having the introspection to seek those answers, mm -hmm. or, you know, versus thinking you know them? And I think you have to break away from the monotony and the grind and say, I have to re keep reevaluating myself on what is the measure of success. Mm -hmm. So Naveen, based on how you measure success, which by the way is a very wise definition of success, what about the unpleasantries? Tell me about like what you didn't expect on this journey. You know, uh, I think one of the unpleasantries uh, is when you're on the journey, you meet a lot of people along the way mm -hmm. and you build a lot of strong relationships, mm -hmm. but sometimes those are just parts of your journey. They're not going to be the people that were, are there in five years or 10 years. They're just like parts of the journey and mm -hmm. they leave an impacting impression. Okay. And you know, you also appreciate the hard work. But I didn't, you know, you think you're in it and you're going to be with these people forever. Mm -hmm. And I think that that. It, you, through the journey, you're the constant, but other people might change. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't anticipate that. Yeah. You might have a core, but that amount of change is tough, especially for me. I'm a people person, right. and I like relationships. We've known each other 14 years. It's yes. a constant. Yes. So for to be in a company and, and that changing, that's a difficult one. I think another one is... Uh, you know, they, there's the cliches around, you know, the cousins come out of the woodworks <laughs> and people started to come. I mean, I'm so curious about that. Oh, I mean, the amount of phishing emails and like, you know, uh. Naveen, somebody wants you, to, Naveen has contacted you to buy 22 Amazon <laughs> gift cards or something <laughs> like that. You know, like it's I mean, it's it's pretty rampant where people look at that, you know, fame or, you know, mm -hmm. just the notoriety. And they're like, how do I get? A little bit on that ride and yeah. I want to be a part of it how can I get a piece of it and so I, I the amount of people that kind of give You've that kind of to had me, to shed a little bit yeah you kind of that. have to be a little bit unavailable which is mm. weird because then when you're on the path you're like I'm never gonna be that guy yes and then you go yes okay now I, I get it I think you have to create some <laughs> filters around you so that that was a bit surprising was it immediately like could you immediately tell who that person was or was it kind of like oh 
like, was it immediately apparent to you that, no. oh, this is somebody trying to glom on to, uh, they're approaching me differently because of my success now? No, I, you know me, I take every meeting. I'm I like, I'm like, I don't know how you do it, by Yeah, the way. I'm like, oh, I'd love to meet you and learn about your story. And, and, you know, I think I take something away, of course, every time. So that's why I love it. And then um, I think then people started saying, you know, you're getting taken advantage of. And, oh, other you people know, have to tell, warn what, you. But what I didn't realize is, Taking advantage isn't just monetary, right, or financial. Mm-hmm. It's also your time, right? Because time becomes your most valuable asset tied to balancing work life. And then every time, every hour or every minute, you have an opportunity cost to do something else. So that's where you start to go, I need to be a little bit judicious. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to take the random meetings here and there. But right. I have to really be conscious that... That means I'm gonna probably let something slip somewhere else. Exactly. So I gotta create that balance. And that's not just in work, that's in work and life. You've done an amazing job. It's it's interesting. I feel like I'm just approaching that and starting to realize that as well, because I'm the same way. I wanna take every meeting, be with people, but uh, it's that trade-off. Yeah. Um, I'd like to ask you a personal question. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, those of us who have known you for a while know that you went through a divorce. And um, this was a, a difficult time in your life. Um, I'm just curious to know, how did this, did it impact you? And if so, how did it impact you for better or for worse? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always tell people I did nine years of service to my country. You know, like I said, just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Terrible. divorce uh, is impacting me twice in my life. Right? Okay. My parents got divorced That's at right. the age of 12, and I'm an only child. So, Mark number one, yeah. impact, you know, impressionable years. And it's a little unusual know. for our community. And when I say our community, mm-hmm. I mean like traditional Indian families growing up. It's, it's, uh, it happens more so now, but I yeah. think at that time. You were ostracized from the community. Your parents were divorced? Very difficult. Yeah. yeah. You know, being an only child makes it harder. But, it, you know, it creates the fortitude and, you know, the... The, the self-reflection that you have to do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. You're in it. You got to look out for yourself at an early age. It makes you stronger. You grow up faster. Uh, probably. You grow up faster, and then to double down and and you know have that happen again, right after nine years of marriage, uh, it's it's very impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, you go. You think you're on these milestones, you know, 2.5 kids and a picket fence. And right. You're doing all the things in the blueprint of life. Checking and then all you, the boxes. And then you go, wait a minute, I have to start all over? What, like, how, how is that going to be something that I planned in my life and am I going to be able to recover from that? So mm-hmm. I think that going through that, uh, one of the biggest things I said to myself was, I think statistically 90% or higher of people get married or, or again in the first year and I said I'm not going to do anything in the first two years except refine myself oh, nice. and, and like just you know not a lot of people have a time mm-hmm. to look at their paths of life and say let me reassess and straighten my course mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how I took it. Gosh that's amazing. For successful people who tend to be on a trajectory and I imagine you feel this way too, uh, failures hurt so much. I mean, I think failures hurt everybody, but they particularly hurt when you are maybe not so accustomed to them and you're used to being that straight A student, you're used to being that winner, you know, uh, the champion. So did you regard the divorce as a failure on your part or a failure in general? Um, I think that's the flash reaction, right? Okay. You know, I failed, you know, I 
as a product of divorce, I didn't ever want to be divorced, mm -hmm. so I failed. Um, I think the I think the other side of that, right, being an entrepreneur, is you go, failure is good. Mm -hmm. um, you learn from failure, you grow from failure, you break eggs to make an omelet, <laughs> and so I am somebody who leans in. I mean, people sit on the sidelines and they don't do things. Oh. So and, and, you know, they're kind of so worried about taking a chance and taking risks. So I think if you have the opportunity to fail, fail fast, fail hard, and learn yes. and grow, then I think that's awesome. And that's kind of the view I took it where, okay, I failed, uh, but, you know, I'm just going to rebuild and go bigger. And that was like a mindset I said where mm -hmm. I would actually say to myself, I will not fail. And I would say that to myself. You look in the mirror, your affirmations in the morning, things like that. And so that I kind of drew uh, a passion around that misstep in my in my life. But I also looked at it as, wow, I learned a lot. Yes. I have two wonderful kids to show from it. Oh. So to me, net net, I've grown, and now this sets me up to kind of get to the next milestone, which I don't know if I would have if I didn't get that push. Exactly. And it's funny, I'll share with you a quick story of what happened this morning to me. And, and this is what I'm talking about. This is why this is the East Coast hustle. I really believe that hustlers, quote unquote, you know, we're cut from a different cloth. We're just designed differently, you know? Um, and everything that you just said resonates so well. So very quickly, you know, last night got chewed out by a customer very publicly in a very public form, which is very rare. Like that just doesn't happen. I usually nail it. You know, I yeah. give a presentation, I nail it. It's always like, oh, it was wonderful. You did a great job. But it was a very humbling moment. And then of course this morning, I was feeling blue about it. And I said, you know, I'm gonna give myself one day, one day to feel blue, that's it. You know, I texted mm -hmm. my husband, I was like, I'm sad today, it's an unusual feeling for me, but I'm gonna give myself one day to feel sad. Um, <laughs> but then this morning, uh, Uber ride to the airport, the Uber driver's tire pops oh, on the highway. Yeah. Like, quickly get to this Burger King and let me now get another Uber to get to the airport. Hopefully I don't miss my flight. But long story short, as I'm, si as I'm at the airport, I say to myself, I'm like, you know what? You know how you can react to this? You're gonna go back three times as hard, overwhelm them with how wonderful the service can be, and then, you know, then then uh, maybe we'll uh, increase the price. Every <laughs> <laughs> yeah. renewal time. Find the opportunity. Right? Yeah. Sweet, sweet, the nice revenge, uh, the best revenge is uh, success, right? Well, well, you know, some people call failure quicksand that it's very easy that you think you can come up with some quick way and solution out of it. Yeah. And then you end up just sinking even deeper. Oh, so to yeah. taking that one day and saying like, yeah. now I'm gonna come back stronger. Right. I think that's where you kind of push way past and springboard yes. versus kind of getting into the quagmire of, I just keep sinking in the, in the quicksand. Exactly, and I, and I had that brief moment in the airport. I'm like, you, you are a hustler, Reba. This is this is just what you said. Yeah. There were so many ways you could have taken that experience, but you took it a totally different direction because that's the fabric of which you are made. Well, it also speaks to uh, being a bit of Teflon <laughs> and you know having a bit of thick skin yes. and saying, I'm not gonna let this drive into some insecurities yes. that cripple me exactly. that I can't make an action. 
So if you can persevere past that and not let it get to that place, yes. you just end up becoming stronger from it. And I'm just going to share this little tidbit of spirituality because it almost brought a tear to my eye this morning. So I'm going through all this, and as I'm in the TSA line going through security, and I've made that determination that mm -hmm. I'm going to come back swinging three times as hard. Like, watch out, you know? Mm -hmm. I look up, and this gentleman is wearing a T-shirt. And on the back of his t-shirt, it says, I will not be shaken. And it was a uh, psalm. I don't remember the exact verse, but it's from the Bible. And I'm like, thank you. Thanks, Angel. I appreciate uh, that little vote of confidence. Were you on time for the airport? Or were you like, your standard 15 minutes late? Like, hey, I'm the long way, my friend. No, I actually was. You know, that's why I could go to the Burger King and get another Uber and be early. Um, all right, back on track. So, Naveen, we love our jobs so much, don't we? Um, so often our families and our spouses kind of feel like they're number two. Then there's this cycle of guilt that you go through. You're like, ah, is my job my mistress? You know, I love it so much. Desires measured in effort, right? Mm -hmm. And wherever you're spending your time is where your heart really is. So it's that constant tug of war and like I said, that cycle of guilt. I'd like to know your perspectives on this. Um, are we wrong to have so much passion for our careers. I mean, our kids are growing up. This is like a once in a lifetime thing. Um, and the second part of that question is, do you believe that there are times where a spouse or a partner might actually be holding us back from success? Might be a little bit of a controversial question, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Um, I mean, first part is, uh, you know, are you wrong to want to focus on your career at the cost that you might be sacrificing yes. some aspect of your personal life? I think. I mean, it trends back to balance. Uh, I think I think one of the unique attributes is owning a business, though. Mm -hmm. I think that when you own a business, uh, I had an executive coach tell me and, and a former boss say, you know, if you so many of us try to separate our life mm -hmm. in personal and work, and we almost have two personas, two buckets, and yeah, and I think the advice I got was try to integrate the two, hmm. and it'll make you better at both. And I think like when you can start to integrate, I think then you get more support, more, you know, there's more of a give and take. Mm -hmm. It, you know, obviously it depends also on the individuals, right? My, my marriage, uh, when I was married, I didn't really feel that support, you know, mm -hmm. it was, that was a little bit divisive. Mm -hmm. Being an entrepreneur, you're building a house, you have a second kid, yeah. and hey, why are you taking a cut in salary to start this company? Right. You know, that, oh, that's, that, hard. that's very difficult, I right? Mean, it's a real question, but yeah, yeah, it's hard. But you know, now I'm looking forward going, I thought like the hardest part was over, now <laughs> I feel like I'm also equally busy now yeah. in a different scale. Okay. Right? And now I have a partner who's very supportive, respectful, yes. appreciative, and I almost feel like twice as much energy to be able to accomplish Empowered. what I need to do. Right. And she's supportive in that. Nature. That's so, wonderful. So I think it, it, it it's kind of double, right? It's the mm -hmm. integration and it's the, the individuals. Yes. But you, you can't, you know, you compare it to a mistress. It's not cheating. It's inclusion. And so mm -hmm. how can you bring that person to the fold so they understand your responsibilities and vice mm -hmm. versa, you get theirs. Right. So that way you're able to build that communicative uh, relationship. I think that's brilliant advice. I really do. I love that. I've never heard it put that way. That you're absolutely right. Why call it a, the reason is the mistress, the mistress term, it's that conflict. Yeah. But if you actually bring both together, you're twice as energized and um, you remove guilt from the equation. 
as a mom, you know, and I know you as a father, I do that a lot with the children too. Mm -hmm. Make them a part of it. Yeah. Hey guys, what are your ideas? You know, I'm going to do the social media thing. What do you guys think? And you know, it, it, it's, it's like you said, you blend those two buckets and uh, everyone gets to have fun. Yeah. I mean, I can get nailed down a meeting I need, yeah. but I can't make a dentist appointment for the life of me. Right? I'm right. so good at work in some right. things and I'm terrible in my personal life. I mean, I, my car service light has been going off for like six months. Health checkups? <laughs> yeah. Oh so, gosh. Right? Yeah. So why are we so good over here? Here, not so it's it's we're all just wired differently and, and we just have to find that integration I think I so agree I so agree um, you touched on this a little bit with your initial response but after achieving so much success do you sometimes find that you attract the envy of old friends or even current ones and if yes how do you deal with that envy yeah, I mean, you know, some people call it haterade. I think there's definitely, you know, we live in a society where sometimes we measure ourselves by looking at the other individual and you're like, you know, there's one upmanship, yes. you know, and things like that. And, um, you know, that's just, an, I think when it comes down to it, why do some people do that? we don't know their own insecurities that cause them to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, I, I mean, I'm fortunate I'm not, I don't really care as much about what people think. Mm -hmm. I, what, what's important is what close people to me think uh, and what I think about myself, right? Right. So, and, and that's part of, you know, looking at your own demons and where your insecurities lie and mm -hmm. attacking that. But I think that, you know, with uh, moderate success, comes visibility mm -hmm. and I think uh, it really eats at a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, people develop a God complex they develop mm -hmm. hubris yes they think they are better than other people and I think that's the part where you have to really you know drink can drink your own kool-aid have a bit of humble pie mm -hmm. think about how you're gonna give back to the community mm -hmm. think about your roots of where you come from how you can give back to people who are embarking on the same path as you, going back to taking too many meetings and mentoring right. and helping small other small business owners. But I think you have to do that full circle. And then it kind of comes back into a karmic energy where, you know, if you have the evil eye or people that are looking at you in that way, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Huh. It's going to be there. But you know for yourself, you're doing the right thing and you're a good person. And ultimately, that, that just creates... Uh, a positive energy around you. Mm, that's such a strong way to look at it. That's a very good advice. Yeah, because it's hard as much as people say, oh, I, yeah, I don't care what people think. Um, you know, I think I, I personally still struggle with that a little bit. I'm like, I, you know, I want. I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way and oh somebody's feeling you, you envious. Can't, you can't How make you, everyone happy. You can't. You can't. You know. Why should you have to go about? Um, and I don't know if it's a, a, a female versus a male trait, but self-deprecating humor or ways to deflect uh, mm -hmm. envy is that necessary? Because you're saying, hey, if you know yourself and you're behaving from a strong ethical place. You know, there's nothing. Really yeah, I mean, I was concerned with. I was going through this award nomination, and you have to talk about not the company but yourself. Yeah. So they're like, you have to keep saying I, and I'm <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that. I say we and the team, right, and stuff. Um, but yeah, I do think you're right. I think we're kind of conditioned that if you do say. Uh, me and mm -hmm. people don't take it the right way mm -hmm. and they think you're arrogant and you're egotistic So you got to find that right balance So if we can go back for a second Naveen to the divorce question um, You know 
everybody talks about business failures, successes, etc. Could you elaborate more on what that failure was to you? Um, how deep the impact was? Because, you know, you're Naveen Krishnamurthy. You know, I, it's hard to think of you and failure in the same sentence. But if you could, uh, you know, shed some light on what, what you went through. Yeah, I mean, you. I think you, you build your coffers, you look at, you know, all the areas, security and business ventures, real estate. Mm -hmm. I did all of the above and, you know, it was, it was doing fantastic. But, uh, you know, going through the marriage and, you know, post legal fees, dividing the territory and property, uh, you know, it kind of really forced me uh, all, all the way to reset to like I was back in college. And, really? you know, and, uh, you know, part of that was to say, hey, maybe I should move back home with my parents <gasps> for a while. No. Yeah. How old were you? I mean, this is when I was uh, about 40 years old. Oh, my right? goodness. So I hadn't lived with my parents since I was 18. Oh, so, so I like, I, like I arrive at my parents' house with some bags and they're like, who are you again? <laughs> like, where are you staying? <laughs> you know, but like, also like the ego blow. Yeah. The ego blow oh, it's must huge. have hurt. It's devastating. And then, and not only that. And legal fees, you, you know, they've they've got such a fantastic way for legal folks to make a lot of money profiting on the process. Yeah. So I'm borrowing money from my friends. No, yeah. I didn't know this. Mm -hmm. So oh. I'm not even even. I'm in the negative hawk, right, at this point, living at home. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to see my kids. Oh, and, okay. you know, you're at rock bottom. And so... It, it really is, uh, I don't know, no other way you could, you know, they always talk about hitting rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I think that's the definition of rock bottom. And I think to do it at that age, uh, yeah. you, you really start to go. Did I just take it, 10 steps back, you know? Uh, well, is there even light at the end of the tunnel? Aww. How can I persevere? This is impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I mean, Reba, that was seven years ago. Right? Was it really? Seven years ago. So, you know, that's the part where you you almost come out of it, if you can, mm -hmm. like just a springboard and you just skyrocket. It's stronger than I've ever been in my entire life because I hit that rock bottom that you become so strong. You're like a superhero where you're like, nothing can affect me now. Yeah, because you're kind of like, and, what could be worse? And, and I have no risks here at this point. What else can I lose? Yeah. So it, it really makes you unbeatable in anything, any goal you try to do, mm -hmm. because now you've just thrown caution to the wind and you're like, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go for it with no encumbrances. Ooh. And that's kind of how I viewed it seven years ago. That's remarkable, Naveen. Hats off to you. That is such an inspiring story. So I want to switch gears here for a second because I think this is the thing that many of us around the Beltway want to know from you. And uh, you and I have talked about this, but the M&A market space here in federal government is white hot right now, white hot. And you've got this growing uh, 8A certified government contracting firm. Uh, you're a smart guy, you know a lot of people, and I like to compare it to you doing a PhD thesis on the subject of what do I do you know, at, at graduation or what do I do uh, as far as exit strategies. But I like to term it you know, Naveen's playbook. 
So there are many, you've been very generous in mentoring small businesses and sharing some tips. Could you walk us through, how much would you be willing to walk us through here of this playbook? What is the recipe, Naveen? Well, I think it's uh, different for everybody, mm -hmm. right? And our industry keeps changing. Uh, I did a lot of research on it, you know, but I mean, to me, one of the biggest things I took away from all the research and watching our industry is I think I, I really focus on people. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't, you know, the just the industry. It isn't what we do. It isn't who we serve as a mission. It was for me to say uh, people are our greatest asset. And so going all in with our greatest asset, uh, you know, making our mask, bringing in a mascot. That's which really is a, cute. Which is an alpaca. I, yeah. Right? And, you know, sitting there and probably giving way more benefits than any CFO should allow me to do, <laughs> yeah. you know, and pay through the nose. Uh, you know, really getting to know my employees one-on-one -on -one and mm -hmm. connecting with them, being considerate of their personal, uh, you know, lives mm -hmm. and their career paths and doing that in the DNA over 12 years mm -hmm. and translating that as you scale to nearly 600 employees today. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the part that there is no cultural checklist. There's just people that care about people. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you start to do that, things start to cascade okay. because then you start to go, okay, I can now my employees are happy. My customers are happy. Mm -hmm. Now my employees are happy. They're working harder and there's more quality. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going in and doing more exciting things, strategic work that I want to be in with the customers I want to serve. Mm -hmm. And you start to get into this M&A equation of our GovCon industry, right. which is a little bit of a game, right? Okay. You want to build a company, but at the same time they're saying, hey, if you're not small, you're de you're dead in the water. Okay. You have to sell or be or or buy. You know that's mm -hmm. pretty much the equation, and most people end up selling. So you start to think about that and go, I have to figure out how I'm going to buck this trend mm -hmm. and get past these plateaus and milestones. That is statistically a you know it's a probability that this will happen to me. And I just said, I'm going to do it through the people and through the culture mm -hmm. as the nucleus to try to buck all these trends and tr not take on PE money, not you know, do the things that other people organic. did. Yeah, let me just mm -hmm. continue the organic group. Bet on myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and that, that, that really helped translate you through the small business uh, kind of milestones. But you know, when I hear you say that, it's kind of like I can hear everybody uh, kind of shrugging their shoulders saying, oh man, you know, this is not a quick, easy thing. No. This was a slow burn over 12 years. It's just like, I don't know what the saying, it's a, the famous quote by Michael Jordan. People ask him, well, how did you become successful? They're, they think it's like this overnight thing, but it was what, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of practice. It was a slow burn. It wasn't an overnight situation. So your answer is the people. Um, that's pretty you know, fascinating. And, and I think it's the nucleus that, you know, the first six years, we mm -hmm. just got to six, zero to six million in revenue. Mm -hmm. Small team. It's that grind, hustle, and mm -hmm. nucleus that translated into the next six years when we went from six to 62 million. Okay, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Because we carried it over uh -huh. and it just became a runaway train. Okay. It wasn't like, I have to implement this and create this. Of course, you have to do so many different things organizationally, mm -hmm. but 
if you already have the core nucleus and you could build on it, mm -hmm. it just explodes at that point. So I wasn't sitting here going, I'm going to throw people at the problem. I'm going to like try to fix everything because nothing's working. I was just like, let me just keep building on what we've already done mm -hmm. and then and, and enable it now that I have like you know the money to do so I right. can put tack that laundry list to, to be able to do things I couldn't do before I mean I just have to pause here for a moment I just cannot fathom that seven years ago seven years ago you're sitting in your parents house with your bags hi mom and dad seven years later you're sitting here at this table with 600 employees, $63 million business. You, you shared about hitting rock bottom, but how does this happen in seven years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about that every day. Uh, I think it would probably be easy to throw in the towel. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about those steps coming down from my parents' house into the kitchen in the morning and my mom going, can I make you breakfast? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And you're like, where, where am I right now? What is going on? This is so surreal. Is this a bad dream? And I'm like, where is that coffee maker? And she goes, oh, we don't drink coffee here. Oh, great. Even better. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're definitely, I think uh, what, one of the biggest things that I think that kind of helped me was uh, the, you know, I talked about finding yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you know, you talk about my love of travel, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I hit probably about 40 countries in four years. Wow. And I didn't have my kids. Yeah. Just would uh, head over to Dulles Airport. Uh, by yourself? You know, sometimes with friends, tour group partner by myself mm -hmm. I would look up at that screen and you know it's kind of called travel roulette huh. and I'd be like all right I'm just gonna go to that country just like a movie uh, yeah just picked one I went from the Galapagos Islands to oh. Iceland to you know uh, Budapest wow. uh, to, you know to uh, you know different parts of Spain you mm -hmm. know and uh, you know honestly doing that uh, I kind of brought myself back you know, I, I said, food, culture, religion, architecture, feed the soul, find who I am. Um, and, you know, coming back when I wasn't on those trips, being able to be a better parent than I've ever been before. Wow. There, aware, in the situation, connecting with my kids. Yes. Uh, you know, parenting on my terms, right? Which is in a whole other topic, right? That's so interesting. You know, yes. and it was, it, it just nourished me. And it brought me back. So then when I kind of let the dust settle and I kind of go, oh, yeah, I own this company, <laughs> you know, and I've got something to do here. You come back laser focused, okay. uh, you know, looking at your goals and saying, you know, it isn't about pouring in 80 hours a week or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's just it's just clarity. Mm -hmm. It's like the fog lifted and you go. I know exactly what to do. It's oh, all very clear. Yes. There's no distraction. Yes. And my mind is in a good place and I'm going to get there. And uh -huh. uh, I think I just sat there and did it and did it and did it. And I didn't let any outside distractions or noise get in my way. And it was just a steamroll of energy I that I'm going to go yeah. go for it. Amazing. So Naveen, post COVID, where we are politically and economically right now, do you have any tips that you can share regarding attracting talent? Uh, how has it changed the dynamic? Oh, everything has changed, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you know, whether uh, you look at the political environment, uh, you look at other factors, Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. affected us, COVID. Uh, you know, the, the book uh, a long time ago, The World is Flat, mm -hmm. you know, somebody go give that guy a prize, right? Yeah, I mean, I, they, I mean technology is becoming uh, not just prevalent in our society, but in the way we do work today. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think embracing and leaning in, uh, to me, it was coming back to the roots of like my early days in Silicon Valley mm -hmm. during the dot-com era. You know, ping pongs, flip flops, <laughs> work from you know, work, working virtual. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, uh, you know, Gen Xers, we did that in mm -hmm. our 20s. So it was like me going, well, we did that in our 20s. Why can't yeah, why we bring? Can we? Why can't we bring back some of the same principles? So the informality, mm -hmm. uh, being able to work from anywhere. We just packaged it and said, Reva Flex. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to work from home, you want to work in the office, you want to do a little bit of both, you want to move to another geographic area, you want to hop in your RV and go to the, yeah. you know, uh, across the country. If you got Wi-Fi, you know your goals, <laughs> we don't care. As long as you're getting yeah. your job done. Yeah, and it's been unbelievable because this day and age, I mean, you take a look at the cost of living in DC mm -hmm. and the expenses uh, and you know looking at your life balance goals now people are able to travel live somewhere else mm -hmm. uh, it opens us up we can hire people elsewhere and that's okay too mm -hmm. which we were prohibited before so now we're like having fun with it because we've opened it up opened a up whole cool, right? yeah and and not only that we're finding new ways to connect to our employees mm -hmm. that you know, you don't feel like the mothership of corporate is like, I don't know who yeah. those people are, yeah. you know, through whether it's Zoom or Teams or Slack and, you know, having uh, different ways of creating touch points in person versus virtual. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're finding new ways to connect to our employees. Our, our On Slack, our favorite channel is Fur Babies. And honestly, I'm envious every day going, I don't have a pet. I just have two kids, man. Like these these people are having so much fun on Fur Babies and it's the That's most so popular cute. channel. Is it? Yeah. That's so And so like, you know, you got people talking about what books they want to read, what places they want to travel, yeah. their home workout regimens. And so going back to your point about infusing personal work, uh -huh. we're kind of doing that. You're practicing. And, and, yeah. yeah. And people are connecting. And I think that. Uh, you know, even looking at Reva Veterans, mm -hmm. you know, and as a channel, I think everybody has found a way to connect through online means. And then mm -hmm. they're going, this is a company. Well, some people right now are saying, come back to work. We're saying, no, we, we you know, they, I kind of said joke. I go, no, we don't want you back. <laughs> right. And, I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> tongue in cheek here. But it's kind of like, yeah. no, do whatever you want. We right. don't care. Yeah. And, and I think that's really effective because people are going, that's the company I want to work for because they're going to allow me to have mm -hmm. the, um, you know, flexibility. Right. But they're also going to embrace me as employee on my career path and looking at how I have fun in my journey working at this company. I think that's brilliant. And I think you used a very important word when you were describing that package. You packaged it because every, every employer kind of had to do that. Okay. You can work from home, but there may have been like a begrudging tone to it. You, you leaned into it and you packaged it yeah. and sold it in a manner that it was very attractive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with everything you have to take that step of, uh, taking, if you are going to do those things, mm -hmm. reinforce it with the policies and the gotchas yeah. with transparency, because as soon as you're deemed non-transparent, 
the trust is gone. And so Interesting. our view is we're just going to tell you everything so that way there is <laughs> the no good, ambiguity. Bad, yeah. No, very nice. Um, I'd like to ask you, what is it that we need to know about money? What is it, is something that you didn't know before? Because people don't like to talk about money. It's kind of like a taboo topic, but what do we need to know? Well, I, I think I think once you, you know, for me reestablishing my coffers and now mm -hmm. you start to think about these goals, the number one thing people ask you is what's your number, you know, if you exit and things like that. But yes. uh, I, I, I think the funniest thing to me about money is, uh, is as access, right? Okay. You know, growing up in a middle-aged family and then going through this part of hitting rock bottom only to now achieve this moderate success that uh -huh. I look at it going, I keep getting invited to free events all the time. <laughs> I mean... No, okay, so this is the thing. I know what you're about to say. It's like when you don't need the money, it comes pouring yeah. at you, right? Yeah. It's, the, it's a rule it's of like the universe. It's like golf tournaments yeah. and steak dinners. Yeah, and yeah like, I can actually you know, afford come to a ticket now. <laughs> Nat Stadium and boxing. I'm like, I don't have to pay for anything. Like, right. I, so it, I think that's one of the funny things that comes with success. The paradox. It, yeah, is that you start getting invited to all these things. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I think the other part of it is it's very clear if you have money, you can make more money. And I think that it's an interesting to figure out what is that inflection point where you can put your money back into play. Obviously, it ties to your risk profile. Mm -hmm. But if you put your money back into play, the, the ability for you to just transcend to the next level, I don't think is, is that difficult That's once really you have a certain, once you hit a certain level. Yeah, because I mean, I, I can imagine people who would say, oh, I have money. Uh-oh, let me quickly pack it into the bank savings account and, you know, just let it grow slowly over time. They, they would not take that risk. Yeah. But well, remember you're talking to a guy, <laughs> even when I got the money, I was Ubering for two and a half years and living in a two-bedroom condo. Right. And people looked at me going, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I probably should move, <laughs> you, know, I mean, I, you know, but I was like time. too busy traveling the world at the time. So, so I definitely uh, looked at it from a different angle that, you know, it isn't amassing all these materialistic items, you know, but it was, it was experiencing life, I think. I love that. So Naveen, going back to the M&A playbook question for a moment, you answered it brilliantly. People, slow burn over 12 years. Let's say I'm somebody, I didn't do that. You know, I'm sitting here, uh-oh, now I'm looking to exit. What would be five tips, three to five tips that you'd say, these are the things you need to start thinking about now. And actually, let me rephrase that question. Let's assume that I have been in business and I'm looking to exit in say three to five years. What, what should I be thinking about right now? So I think uh, a lot of times you're told and coached, especially if you go through your MBA, What's your business plan? What's your exit strategy? Mm -hmm. What's your one, three, five-year goals? I think uh, what's fascinating GovCon and probably other industries is there's a hidden checklist and an <laughs> algorithm that nobody wants you to know. Interesting. You know, and, and it's the companies that want to buy you. Mm -hmm. It's a wish list. It's how they do their due diligence. Mm -hmm. And you have a whole slew of people, M&A brokers and advisors and it's legal firms. Mm -hmm. There's a whole other networking ecosystem yeah. of different providers that are saying, you know, we want a piece of this pie. So we're not going to give you all the pieces, mm -hmm. but ultimately this is what 
companies are looking for when they're going to buy you. So to me, I just sat there and I said, I'm going to go just meet with all of them because they meet for free. I would actually <laughs> joke with them. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to get some free advice from you. So I would just extract all of that. And I essentially said, let me just map out what that wish list, checklist, and algorithm is mm -hmm. to drive enterprise value and then kind of get organized to say, where do I stand at this juncture of my company, mm -hmm. gut, ch gut check, mm -hmm. let me not drink the Kool-Aid, where, where am I strong, where do I suck? Mm -hmm. And let me start to think about how to close those gaps, okay. how to set some goals to drive that value iteratively and have that visible real time mm -hmm. as I go through this and then cascade it down to key leaders and managers and incentivize them okay. that they understand the same goals. So that's been something that we've worked really hard to do mm -hmm. because then what, what ends up happening is everyone's driving towards the same vision, mission, mission vision and goals uh -huh. because they know this is what the uh, successful outcome is right. and it's quantified by the data. Yes. And so it's a data-driven decision-making to the exit strategy of the mm -hmm. algorithm that you're not supposed to know, <laughs> but you know we've been we've been able to crack and you know kind of get some guidance to put that in place. So I think if you reverse engineer it, mm -hmm. begin I, with the end in yeah, mind. We yeah. always and, say, and I think a lot of times we we as entrepreneurs go, "This is what I'm going to do." Yeah. No. Stop. Pause. What do they want you to be? and think through that and, right. and then find your in-between of how do you get there. Mm -hmm. So I think, that's, I, I think that's one of the most critical factors of success. My last question for you. Uh, Naveen, what happens after we hit our goals, in your opinion? Uh, well, I think, I think that's a question of <laughs> do we ever stop? You know, I mean, do we hit our goals because we keep pushing it further and yeah, further, I mean, higher and higher? I mean, don't we have New Year's goals every year, right? I mean, I, th I think we keep changing uh, and resetting what our goals are, uh, whether, you know, they're career motivated. A lot of people, it's fitness, mm -hmm. you know, looking at all of the things. Some people, it's travel, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that you look at your goals and you kind of keep reinventing them and coming up with new goals that you want to achieve. So I don't think goals are something you ever stop seeking. I think, I think if you do, and I tie it back to a lot of entrepreneurs selling their company, they are so bored. Yes. They're like, man, That's I can't I play any more golf. <laughs> I, I really, I, can't sit on the beach anymore. I don't want to be with my significant other till 40 hours a week. Like they're dying out there and they're going, put me back in, you know, give me the stress and the adversity of this. But, you know, I think, I think you have to keep finding new goals and challenges and mm -hmm. it's part of being alive and having fun with life, you know? So, keep finding new goals. Like maybe learn during COVID, I was like, I'm going to pick up a guitar and try, try to learn how to play the guitar. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I'm not that good. I'm, you know, I'm not going to whip out a guitar right let's now get, and start playing. Let's but, get a guitar out here. You know, for the yeah. <laughs> you know, or I was like, let me, let me try to remember Spanish again. Yeah. So me and my daughter got on Duolingo and we're both like learning Spanish together that again. So, cool. so I think you gotta, I, I think that was one of the great things that came out of being at home again uh -huh. is, is finding other hobbies mm -hmm. and time maybe tying some goals to that. So I think I think that that really makes life a lot a lot worth living if you're Richer. able to yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. Man, that's the hustle, isn't it? That's the hustle. Thank you my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you got Reba it. Reba Magic. <laughs> Reba Magic. Right here folks. <laughs>